Hi, welcome to the Filter Free Friday podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Williams, and this is the podcast to help you realize the distance between the life that you want to live and the life that you're currently living isn't nearly as big as you think. I am here with my very first guest ever on the podcast, and it's one of my best friends in the entire world, Becky Firth. Becky, how Woo-hoo! are you? Hello, I'm hello. Um, Becky is superwoman, first of all. Uh, If you don't know who she is, she is a pro marathoner, a new mom of six months, right? He just hit six Mm -hmm. months. Um, She's an author. She's a high school cross-country coach. She is a freelance writer. She does a little bit of everything. uh, And that's why when I thought about having guests, she was the first person to pop into mind because whether you are a runner or a mom um, or you like to read or not, I think that there is something that everyone can relate to uh, in Becky's life. And she has a lot of good perspective. And some of my deepest belly laughs have been (laughs) with Becky. Uh, And obviously that's like Rule number one on this podcast is like at least have one deep belly laugh. Uh, so it made sense to have Becky. Becky, welcome. Thank you. I'm very honored to be your first guest. I love it. Wouldn't couldn't think of anyone else. I mean, that's not true. I could think of a lot of other people, but like you were the first. <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. I'm it. You were the first person that came to mind. Is what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, well, right before we hit record, Becky and I were having a really interesting conversation. Um, Becky. Uh, is a professional marathoner. So she, and an author under her maiden name of Becky Wade. Uh, And that's, like I said, how I know her. Becky and I both ran track and cross country together at Rice University. Go Owls. But um, obviously now you are married and you took your husband's last name. Um, And so I interrupted you before you told me this story because I wanted to put it on the podcast. But I'm curious your thoughts because I asked, what do I call you? Are you Becky Wade these days? Are you Becky Firth? Like, tell me, um, you know, that decision. Uh, I did not really think very well in advance because I I go by Becky Wade, Becky Firth, Becky Wade Firth. Um, I don't, I, I answer to all of them. I am published under all of them. It's confusing. I still race as Becky Wade, um, often still write as Becky Wade, but legally I'm Firth. I wish I had just chosen when I got married, but I was like, oh, I'll keep Wade for like running and writing so I don't have to you know, transition, all all of that stuff. But now it was just confusing. So can you say like when you run as a professional in a marathon and you've got like, you know, because you're an elite literally and you have your name on your bib, race bib, like can you pick what that says? Like even though your license says Firth, like you can pick weights. Yes. And I think a ton of runners do what I do. They use their maiden name that they've like always been running under. Um, even if legally it's something else, but that's why it's just confusing. It's like, I go by Becky Firth for all like documents and whatever, but I don't know. Maybe at some point I'm just going to fully commit, but this point I'm just all over the place. But you also named your son Wade. Yeah. So that's where it gets confusing actually, because his name is Wade Firth and a lot of people- A lot of people, my Becky Wade Firth, and a lot of people think my last name is Wade. So they're like, oh, Wade, Wade, that's cute. But no. Oh, I didn't, I've never even thought of that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I like both of them, but I will say 
one of my earliest memories of running with Becky is uh, we, everyone I think knows if you've ever done anything athletic, the Nike tempo short. And as a runner, we had a thousand of them. And I'll never forget one day we were running together and she, like every other 18 year old girl in the United States wore Nike tempo shorts and she had them rolled over and they had the initials BW in them, which Fun fact, I also have the initials of BW. And I remember the whole entire run being like, this bitch took my shorts. I've never put initials in my shorts ever. Like, 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 I just remember being like, this bitch freshman took my shorts. Stole my shorts and wrote the initials of the person who she sold them from. Like, I don't, I don't even think I had those shorts. Like, zero logic was flowing through my head. But I remember that was like one of our first runs together. I was like, this girl took my shorts. And it took me like the whole, like, you know, three miles or whatever it was to recognize that like, wait, we both have the same initials. Those are probably hers. Not a criminal. Not. Oh, man. You and your criminals. Becky loves a good criminal. Like, just loves a good story. I do. do you still kind of um, wish you were a jail warden? Um, you know, I'm my fascination has not dwindled at all. I've learned as I've gotten older, probably I would not cut it in that career, but genuinely growing up, genuinely wanted to be a prison warden. Yeah, genuinely. And to give yeah. people a visual, Becky, mm-hmm. I'm not to put you on the spot, but how tall are you? Five feet tall. Maybe. But- my 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 old license said five two, which is laughable. <laughs> my current license says five foot, and that's a stretch. Becky's very; uh, she's a small <laughs> person, uh, and that's like a fact. That's not a judgment. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. And so it is funny that you uh, definitely wanted to be a jail warden growing up. Um, but that's not what we're here to discuss. Uh, I really want to talk today about um, a lot of things, but I want to start off talking about your pregnancy. As we've discussed, you um, are a professional runner and obviously went through what I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a healthy pregnancy um, with Wade. And it's been six months. And that's certainly a process that I have yet to go through. Hopefully we'll be lucky enough to go through here soon, but um, would love to hear your you know, experiences of one, staying motivated when you don't want to work out. You know, I think that every woman has that experience as she, as she goes through pregnancy, Um, what you maybe learned about yourself and then coming out of postpartum, you know, what advice you have for other women to still feel um, maybe emotionally strong when physically they may not feel like they're at their peak. Yeah, yeah, all all good questions and totally new territory for me too. I mean, my older sister has two girls, so like I really got to ride her coattails in a lot of ways, but she doesn't like, you know, she's not a runner in the way that I am. And so I did lean on um other other professional runners that I know to like ask questions and stuff, but it's so hard because every pregnancy delivery recovery is just so different. Um, and I'm, I am fortunate that it was smooth the whole way, but that doesn't mean it wasn't, it was easy, you know? Um, right. Of course. It was, it, it took a lot of adjusting. Cause like basically since I, I guess, let's say entered rice in 2007 until through getting pregnant in 2021, you know, I was like very structured life, not like completely centered around running, but 
being my livelihood and like passion and everything, most of my it's day and decisions and stuff were just driven on like running well and training and recovering well. And so even before Wade came, that was a whole shift because it's like, okay, my body has other purposes and it's doing a whole other thing right now. And like prioritizing my fitness is not, that's just not what I'm doing. This that's year. not priority number one anymore. No, but priority one was like staying healthy, feeling good, making sure the baby's healthy and growing. And um, part of that was continuing to exercise. And I'm fortunate that my um, OB-GYN is, she's awesome. She like was very supportive. She, she knew, you know, that I was a serious runner going in and she was clear the whole time that like what, whatever I was doing before that feels comfortable is fine. You know, there are some limits, like she didn't want me getting overly hot or working out when it was too hot outside. Didn't want me like, you know, going all out pushing maximally. And that was fine because I wasn't getting ready for racing or anything. Um, and so just kind of as the pregnancy went on and as I got bigger, I just had to like keep shifting kind of what I was doing. And, you know, I was not trying to hit hundred mile weeks after a certain point. And then, and then it became like, um, I, at some point I stopped counting mileage and I even changed my watch over to kilometers instead of miles. Mm, so I that love I that. Yeah. And like, it actually towards the end, it kind of worked out well. Whereas like, uh, 10 mile run before I was pregnant, it ended up taking me about that long to do 10 K. Cause I was like kind of walking, kind of jogging mm, and yeah. taking my time and like seeing the K's. I didn't really, I didn't really have much of a perspective on pacing and all that. I love that kilometers. And so I recommend that to like anyone who's pregnant and struggles to compare themselves with pre I'm going to, I'm going to steal that tip. It's good. Yeah. And like, or even if you're just coming back from like a break or I don't know, you feel unfit or something. Um, or COVID I, like in my I, case, I kept my watch. Yeah. I kept my watch like that, um, for the first couple months training back and I was moving quicker, but I still didn't want to see like mile splits. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So that did was you good. run up until the very end? Yes, I ran not, I was induced at 30, um, 39, no, yeah, 39 weeks because my doctor was going to be out of town on my due date. Um, and I ran nine miles the day before and it was like slow and it, like, I'm sure it was kind of comical looking, but nine. Yeah. That's I awesome. I love yeah, it. And it was, it was fun. And like, um, I don't know. I like, there were days for sure when I went out and I was like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just going to walk. And I did that. Um, and then, you know, when I felt good, I would give myself the freedom to like move a little quicker, meaning like, you know, 10 minute pace, not 12 minute pace or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, let's see, I, I think you asked me what I learned through it. Like, yeah, I'm such a type, a perfectionist, like planner, all the things, you know, this is why Becky and I get along. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And. I learned that like, I actually have some flexibility in me and mm. um, when forced to, and like when given something, when, when it's not all about me and, and, and this is kind of like racing too, you know, especially in cross country, like when you're racing and for yourself and you don't have a team behind you or you're not like focused on the team aspect, it's so easy to like, I don't know, just get super overwhelmed and feel all the pressure and crumble. And, but like when you're doing it for another reason, 
something beyond yourself, it becomes a lot easier. And that's totally whenever I was feeling like, oh my God, I feel huge and slow and like nothing like my former self. I was like, okay, well, yeah, you have like a human, a human growing inside of you or just came out of you. And um, that, that helped put it into perspective. Yeah. That's definitely something I tell people. Like I half say it for laughs, but I'm half also dead serious when I say it, that I tell people that I'm the only reason I work out as much as I do and the only reason I'm trying to stay fit is so that I can like bust a move on the dance floor of my like grandkids wedding when I'm like 90. Like, Girl, you're going to be at my grandkids wedding. <laughs> I, I better be. <laughs> and like it sounds silly to say because like I don't even have kids, let alone the idea of grandkids. But like that's the kind of I think goal that while again, silly on purpose to make the point is that yeah. like fitness once you make it so much more about like, I want to be healthy so that I'm a role model for my children so they see what health is or so that I can go through a healthy pregnancy. I think once you start to think, they don't have to be the goal that gets you up every single morning, but it certainly is a nice goal to have it on those days when you just really don't want to, but know that you need to and know that it's your therapy and it's going to make you feel better. Like those kind of things are so helpful, um, especially when you're running the dis- kind of distances that you are, or you got the 4 a.m. alarm clocks like I do, whatever your you know thing is that you got to deal with. Uh, I think mm-hmm. having those goals outside of yourself really help. It's so true. Now, I have a question. What was harder, giving birth or running like your hardest marathon? You know, I don't want to discredit like a difficult delivery, That's but fine. mine fortunately was really smooth. Nice. Um, well, I mean, I, I got all the medicine, like, <laughs> you know, I, was, I, I, I was, wasn't going for the natural birth or anything like that. I'm be honest. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of pain, but like, I got nothing to prove in that, in that delivery yeah. room. I was yeah. just wanting to do it. Um, it, it was, Wait, hold on. It was, I love that line. I've got nothing to prove in the delivery room. Like, let's just get this baby here <laughs> safe. Like, I gotta, yep. you've proved, you've proven yep. plenty in many of other industries and arenas. This is not the yep. one. Get that baby out of here and move on. <laughs> move on. Um, but hmm, I mean, it, it was hard, like until I got the epidural when the contract contractions yeah. were coming, that was painful. But then once I got the epidural, it was like, honestly, shockingly, smooth sailing. Thank you. How did Will do? Will is her husband. Yeah. Will was in there. Um, it was a little traumatic for him just like seeing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I think maybe with this, the next one, not this next one, there's not a next one yet, but with (laughs) the next kid someday, he might keep a little more distance. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's okay. Reach their own. Um, But like marathon is just a deep, Marathon's different because it's like you choose it. You bring it upon yourself. And like, I mean, you, you can do the same thing with childbirth. Well, I, mean, I mean, not for everyone, but in your case. Not for everyone. But like in the in the process, I, you're not, you don't really have control over it. Like, yes, yeah, you can I get, get what you're the, saying. You can get the epidural, but like, you're not like, okay, I'm going to make it hurt more. I'm going right. to see what else I got. Right. To run a marathon faster, you actually have to put yourself. You go to some like, real you have to place. put, you have to physically, I get what you're saying. I get what you're and saying. And you have to make yourself do it. Yeah. Whereas like maybe had I had a natural childbirth, maybe it would have been more like that. Probably would have been. 
Yeah. Um, but my answer is going to be a hard marathon. And interestingly, I would not say it's like my fat, one of my fastest marathons. I'd say it's one of the marathons where like I hit the wall super hard and just like death crawled. Oh, death for sure. Crawled. I think yeah. that way about fitness all the time. Your yes. best, whether you are a, your best run, your best lift, often you kind of don't even like remember it. And it's not like noteworthy because you it just flows. It just it comes. Yeah. And then yeah. it's done and you're like, holy shit, I did that versus my slowest races. I can recount every single second. Oh, and they're so brutal. brutal. They're so brutal. Yeah. Like I'm literally having flashbacks right now. I don't even know what the race was, but it's like, oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. How do you deal with that? So you are a um, coach of high school girls um, of a massive team. How many girls yeah. this season? Well, we just actually yesterday was our first summer practice and okay. we have 98 girls on the list right now. Not on a cross country team. Cross country, all girls school with 800, around 800 girls total. Like, I know this won't mean some things for some people, but I need you to close your eyes and imagine your high school experience. Now cut that experience in half. Take one of the genders, the men, take them out. So just women, a school of just women. And you think of cross country and you think of like, they're either A, the rejects, Right there, they don't like the, cross country is just known for like not being sexy. I can say you it because we did it. Sport. Yeah, you got yeah. cut from the other sports, and this is how you're going to get your credit. Or you just are scared of all the other sports, so you just run because it's just you just going to go straight and like wide left mm-hmm. turns on the track. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have that, you have ten percent of the school, over ten percent of the school, the whole entire school, is on not track team. If you said you have 90-something girls on the track team, it'd be like, okay, cool. That's very normal. That's insane. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's like, I wouldn't say it's like a the cool sport, but definitely there's a good I don't know. If you're crew. the coach, I think it's the cool sport, but I'm biased. I mean, we're going for it. We're definitely going for it. <laughs> but there, there's like very cool, well, who I think. I think the girls are super cool. And um it's it's a cool culture, like you know, very inclusive, huge range of ability. I love that. Um, I just yeah, and it's one of the few no cut sports at Ursuline. And what I'm really drilling into the girls is like, no cut does not mean we take it any less seriously. Like mm. it's a it's a very serious sport, and I want to win state, and I want everyone to improve and everything. But like, everyone has opportunity. So I, I love, love that. that. I love that. What do you think? you has surprised you most most about teaching that age because obviously i think for both boys and girls that is a it can be a tough age it's a primitive age it is a fragile age but i think that we know high school girls more i think than guys i've never been one so but i I don't know but if i had to guess i think that Mm -hmm. high school girls are just that's a really tough time um what has surprised you about teaching that many girls or coaching yeah Uh, it's I mean, I feel like it's even a different world than when we were in high school because social media and like, yeah. I just feel like there's less barriers between high school runners and college runners and high school runners and pro runners. Like everyone sees what they're doing and sees what people like look like and what their training is like and that kind of stuff. So um, it always surprises. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's... 
there's more pressure on the girls and like mm. mostly it's self induced pressure, but, um, I don't remember being so resistant to like taking a day off every week or something like that. Mm. When I started off and like, we've got, I didn't know anything about nutrition in high school. Like no. the only mm-hmm. thing I knew, like maybe later on in high school was that I should probably limit like all the sweets and kind of junk food and that kind of stuff. But I didn't get are, that memo. That's for sure. Well, I think that's good, honestly, because there, there I used to people. eat. I used to eat me and my boyfriend in college, Pablo. We used to eat two. <laughs> do you remember those massive cinnamon rolls? At the, oh, yeah. At the, we get, yeah. We would get like four of them, like two for him, two for me. And like looking back, like he ate like a whole pizza, like a thing of like Coke and like two <laughs> cinnamon rolls. <laughs> and he's like Olympic caliber sub four minute mile, like best in the country, like runner at the time. And like looking back, I'm like, someone could have told us to pick up a vegetable. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so agreed. But I like the more that I've run, the more that I see the value in that approach. Not, you know, maybe that was a little excessive for some girls. Okay. Yeah. But like, I feel like if you look at the runners who have made it like to their mid or late thirties or, you know, who have just like run well in college and after college and stuck with it, like they're, they're not the ones who are skimping. They're the ones who are like, because you just can't, you can't be like, too serious with it and stay healthy and like motivated for the long run. So that's why it does make me nervous when I see some of these high school girls, like, I don't know, just being very particular about what's on their plate. And like, you can just tell they're like all looking at each other. And of course your high school, like everyone, no one knows what they're doing, but yeah, I think people are, I see some girls taking it more seriously than I remembered it being. Yeah. uh, And I think too, that like that, what scares me for that is like the level of burnout. And I think a lot of times when you think mm-hmm. of fitness and athletics, you think of burnout being fit, like like your body either gets, especially in running, it's very easy to get overtrained. If you're not taking rest days, if you're not having deload weeks, um, it's very easy to overtrain the body and the body to get burnt out. But I also think mentally, if you are every single meal, and this goes for whether you're in high school or if you're a 55 year old, you know, mom of four, like, if you're constantly obsessing over the details in your day, whether around health, like whether that be, oh my God, am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating enough? Am I eating the right things? You can just burn yourself out because you're constantly oh, yeah. feeling like you're not hitting the mark. And there's diminishing returns. So it's like yeah. energy you need. Well, this is this is a great example. Like I didn't have a GPS or I used my dad's GPS watch maybe like once a week in high school for a long run, which was like eight or nine miles, but these girls all have GPS watches and they will run around in circles until they hit like the mile. Yeah. At the end of a run. And like, right. I'm trying so hard to break them from that. Cause I'm like, a, your pace is going to fluctuate. Like you're trying to hit the same recovery pace all season long. That makes no right. sense. Yeah. It's fluctuate day to day, honestly. And, and B your GPS watch is just not accurate. So forget about hitting like even numbers. And I get it. Like, it's nice to see the end of a run, but like they're literally running loops in a parking lot. And I'm like, you think that's tracking you accurately? No. Right. And it's also not like it's, I always 
like laugh and if this is you and you're listening like i'm not judging you it just makes me giggle a little bit when mm-hmm. you're like running in a city like an urban city street and you get to a stoplight and that, there's a person that won't stop who keeps going at the light like just running in place yeah. and i'm like is that where you how you think good runners are made like do you think that the best runners in the world like it's because they never stop running when they're standing at the light like no those little steps are doing nothing for you. Rita, this brings me back to how excited you used to get when we got stopped with a train or whatever the, the metro. The light rail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If we were like warming up to Herman Park and like we could see the light rail come in and we definitely have we definitely have the opportunity to like dart across and make it. Yes, and we like, I'd always. Oh, hold up, everybody. Like we're not <laughs> so the whole team would get a five minute break. And <laughs> I'm the same way now. Like I'll stop. And in Portland, people will stop for you. People are too nice in Portland. Like if you're trying to cross the street. People will stop for you two streets down. Like, oh, I think I see a runner up there. Hold on, let's stop and let them cross. Like, it's oh. like, it's like too much. Dallas like, people, take note, please. <laughs> but yes, but when I was in Texas, it's like the opposite where I'm like, yeah. I'm like, please, like, please, like, don't stop for me. Like, please go so that I have time. <laughs> Like, I okay, sorry. I said, I said that opposite. In Portland, I'm begging people, yeah, yeah, yeah. please don't stop for me because I need a rest. <laughs> like, <laughs> no shame. Please go. No shame. Like, it's the funniest. Like, you, I'm having a fight to people. Like, no, you go. No, you go. And I'm like, no, you, I need rest. <laughs> this is what I love about Brittany Williams, school record holder, like phenomenal runner, but no qualms about, hey, I'm tired. Our whole team is going to rest for a few minutes. I want two cinnamon rolls before this hard workout night We're before. Gonna I'm going to eat a bagel an hour after lunch for my workout snack, pre-workout snack. I'm in. doing it. I'm in. Yeah. 100%. I have definitely been the like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do kind of vibe since like mm. day one uh, for sure, for sure. Um So I'm actually curious. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your book. Um, I recommend if anyone here is even remotely a runner or a traveler, um, I was about to pull up your book because I literally have it like, well, I'm going to show you. No one else can see it, but it literally just sits right here on my shelf. Um, Oh, but Run the World by Becky Wade. Becky Wade. I had to check, but I was like, I'm pretty sure it's by Becky Wade, uh, not Becky Firth. Um, but an amazing book. I think you had a really cool opportunity to travel the world. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit about that um, experience. And then I think what you learned out of that experience. Yeah. So the book. Not about writing the book, about the actual yeah, travel. The actual trip. So yeah, the book is, it's kind of a travel narrative about a one-year fellowship that I went on right after graduating from Rice. Um, it's a it's called the Thomas J. Watson Fellowship, and 40 graduating seniors from universities around the U.S. are awarded a fellowship, and each person basically chases their own passion all over the world. So my, my trip was built on long-distance running cultures. I studied sociology and psychology and obviously was a big runner. And so I wanted to see um, how different societies and cultures really 
um, embrace or don't embrace running and just what, how different people train and structure their lives around training all over the world. So I got this grant to spend a year going around the world, basically running and hooking up with other runners and just like seeing what they're doing and training with them. And my proposal was to go to five countries, but once I actually got the funds, there was flexibility with that. And I ended up going to 22, got a little carried away. Um, but my book focuses on nine that I spent the most time in. Let's see if I can get them right. Cause this was 2012 to 2013. That is oh, crazy. I'm going to pull up the book and see if you get them all right. Hold on. Ooh, okay. Um, I don't know. Do you have them listed on here though? Oh, I do. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready. Yeah. So England, England, Ireland, Switzerland, Italy, Ethiopia. Italy's not on this list. Just kidding. Back of the Ooh, book. Oh, what? Keep going. No, that's part of my Ethiopia chapter. So mm, I'll name okay. a few, I guess. Oh, you know. It. Oh, you know, the good pair of Ethiopia and Italy. <laughs> you know, they always go together. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, they definitely go together. <laughs> well, I went from Rome to Ethiopia. So <laughs> Ethiopia, oh. Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Sweden, Finland, France. Those were the big Got ones. Got them. You got them in, you, you got them in the exact order as listed on the back of the book. So I just want to say, I'm proud of you. Thank you. It the, says nine countries, the, 11 pair of running shoes, 3,504 miles of running. Yep. I mean, so I know you are, I know you know that, but I'm telling that to people. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the refresher. And I, so basically spent the year, um, I, I chose like pretty early on to do homestays rather than like hostels or apartments. And that ended up being like the coolest part about my trip because I, every single place that I went, I just kind of sent out cold emails and, or, you know, went through friends of friends of friends or whatever, and just said, Hey, I'm this like American girl doing this trip. Um, are there any runners who would either be willing to train with me or who have a spare room? And everywhere I went, I found people who were like not only willing, but very eager and like just so welcoming and warm. So I stayed, I think I had 72 host families. Wow. Um, and lived with them and like really got to dive into the communities that I was researching. And you blogged this entire time, like the book. Yep. So to give people frame of reference, the book didn't come out until like, you started writing it maybe the year after you got back? I, I A year, yeah, one or two years later. Yeah, I think one or two years later. So you were writing the blog. So you wrote a blog in real time, right? When you, mm -hmm. while yeah. you were going. And then that's when you got the book deal afterwards because you kind of had all these, let's call them blog entries or journal entries of your experiences. And then that all turned into the book. Yeah. And I, I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, I've basically already written it. But like, I well, I use literally nothing from the blog except like to re refresh. To refresh. And like timelines, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was helpful, but like, it wasn't like I could just cut, paste, cut, paste. Here you go. That's editor. so funny because one of my favorite, it actually might be my favorite book of all time, which is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Have you ever Oh, have my you? gosh. Isn't Did it the best? Yeah, Did of course I had to audio, like literally by far, even if it's oh. not my favorite book, it's by far the best audiobook. like light years Laugh ahead of any other, like dying laughing. How proud were you to be a Texan? So proud. Like, yeah, I don't care know. if you like him as an actor, if you no, agree or disagree with oh, his like, like yeah. political stance, don't care. Like no. just that level of storytelling is something that mm. I can only dream of. 
but he's so good the best the best but i think one thing that was funny interesting was that he talks about how he's been journaling his whole life and so like some of the things that he shares are like from the journal entries or whatever and i remember and he i remember he i can't remember what the story really is but he was remember when he lived in the van and he would like dictate it like he would like yes he would like record himself talking yeah. i had this grand idea once that i was gonna like after reading the book that i was gonna start doing that because like i would love to write a book one day and so i was like i'm just gonna go for like runs and instead of talking to a person i'm just gonna start like recording stories about my life and it lasted for like three days <laughs> like i like gave up and like you know me i love to talk my favorite topic in the world is me i am an you. only child like uh, like i'll admit it but i yeah. it was the I'm, yeah. i don't know how anyone does this i'm exhausted <laughs> but a podcast is is kind of that it's more it structured is. and it's like less free flow but yeah i think and i definitely like for you and i definitely enjoy like well, I say I like talking about me. The hopes is that is there, there's always like a lesson to be learned, not just like, oh, here's what happened to me today. Like, here's a here's a little insight into my world. Like, who gives a shit? Like, I want you to learn something or laugh. I was Sometimes the story is just, ju like, for this is no purpose. You will learn no things. You might become dumber from hearing this story. <laughs> you're going to laugh. This is why your ideal long run partner boy yeah. do those miles fly and like it's nice to save my breath you know oh yeah for you sure get fit. you get fit from telling stories on the run right you do that that's true i was probably those three days that i was working on telling my story record <laughs> i should and i remember i couldn't i was too cheap i didn't want to buy like a recording like um device like an app on my phone so i would just like record video but my phone was in the holster on my arm. So like, it was like, like you would watch the video, you know, using air quotes and it would just be like a bouncing, like, and then my voice, it was so bad. I hope we see that someday. It might get published. I gotta re, I gotta re-evaluate uh, how I'm gonna do that. But yeah, but that, that to me is way, like if I do ever write a book, I can certainly see myself dictating it first and then going back and writing it. Yeah. Uh, because I think I'm much better I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, be I'm good with my words, I guess, on writing too. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, okay, we have to tell my favorite story, um, which it's actually going to be a little bit of a fun fact. So we're going to end the podcast as we, which is I've decided I'm going to do this with all of my guests. Uh, the very first episode of Filter Free Friday, I shared three embarrassing things um, about myself in an effort to be filter free. So I have asked Becky to do the same and I've decided I'm going to do it for every single guest. They got to share three embarrassing things. It uh, doesn't have to be super bad, doesn't have to be, you know, risque. But before we do that, so just remember that I've already told you that and I hope you remember the three things. Uh, but before we do that, we have to tell, I don't know if I would call it an embarrassing story about me, but it's certainly a it's fact defining. that- it's defining. It's a, yeah. And it's something that I've never, I don't think I've ever shared with my, certainly not the podcast community. I don't think I've ever told my um, Instagram family community either. Uh, well, so for yeah. most people, like literally I remember, so I have a friend, Daniel, who went to college with us and then started working with me at my corporate job. And it was like, 
exciting to have one of your best friends working for you, but it's also a little bit of an oh shit moment because like here's someone who like knows you, knows you, and then you bring them into your work life. So he started calling me Brita and like everyone in my corporate job that I had been at for like nine years was like, who? Like, what is he calling you? Like that is not, not Brittany, not Brit, but Brita. And it's spelled B-R-I-T-A, like Brita, like Brita the water filter, but Brita. 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 Every single one of my college friends calls me Brita, like exclusively. Like, I don't think anyone has called me Brittany. I've I've said all. the word Brittany on this podcast to be like kind of formal, but I have to like think about it. <laughs> Definitely which, Brita. Is, which is just so funny to me because like <laughs> I kind I think I remember whose wedding was it? Was it no, it wasn't your wedding. We all went to go to get ice cream. That was your wedding. Because you weren't there. So it had to have been your yeah, wedding. We all went yeah. to get ice cream. Yeah, because we were in Colorado. That was your wedding, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, we all went. I hadn't seen anyone for a long time. And we all went to get ice cream and people kept calling me Brita. And I like wasn't like, <laughs> it, like I had like forgotten that that was like my my exclusive Very name exclusive. with this group of friends. Like they, no one calls oh, me Brittany. So anyway, oh, yeah. so we'll set the stage. I'll set the stage of the story and then you interject as you feel. But you know me, I like to include all detail in stories. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, let me let me just preface this a little bit. Like, please do. This is dead true story. Like, it happened hundred percent. A lot of people can vouch, but like, I'm also gonna be honest. The facts escalate a little bit every time we tell it. You know, <laughs> so it you're not might have tell been, people. You're not supposed to tell people that, Becky. It might be one level milder than we're telling it, but it it's true. It happened. So is that true? my dad and I do this. Like every story we tell is a hundred percent truth, but we might focus in and laser in on one thing and maybe mm -hmm. add a little bit of volume, a little oomph to it if you a need it. You know? yeah, yeah, that's all of my stories are like that. I should yeah. give that disclaimer. Just I should yeah, record that and then include it for all podcast episodes. Based like completely true though. Completely yeah. true. Yes. Jazzed up. That's it. So. Uh, we were on the cross country team for rice, like we said, and that meant we were traveling in an airport every single weekend. Uh, and we would have these massive bags. When I say massive bags, it's like body bags, uh, pretty much. We literally could fit in them, um, that would carry all of our stuff. Actually, now looking back, like, why were they so big? We only traveled for like three days at and a I, time, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah, like, exactly. So with these massive bags and we're all lined up and, um, we're going to talk about race here and know that I'm talking about it like factually, no judgment here. The entire team is white. Cross country is a white sport. It's a white it's sport. Very, yeah, like my entire team, almost everyone is a shade of blonde. We got a couple brunettes, but a shade of blonde. And then there's me who, if you don't know what I look like, I'm black. She's not white. I'm not white. I'm not white. No. And we get up to um, like the like Southwest Airlines and you're at the counter and we're doing a group check-in. So all of us will check in under one ticket and we got this one lady and it's this bigger black lady who is just quintessential like your auntie, she's someone's sis, she's someone's mom. She's gonna cook like a mean like meal if you go over to her house after school one day. Like just to me as a black woman, she's like, I can just see her at my family reunion, like just a quintessential character. And we're, she's checking in everyone. 
right? So uh, each person, and I, I'm pretty sure it was um, alphabetical order. So I'm towards the back with Becky, with our W right. last names. Yeah. And she's listing off these names so nicely, so kind. So Allison Pye, Callie Wells, Lenny Waite. Like just with the general normal voice that you would imagine a flight attendant to have, right? Like very stereotypical. Then she pauses, and Becky, I'm gonna let you do it. Uh, but she pauses and she like looks, and so if you imagine the, the sticker that kind of goes around your um, suitcase when you're checking in the luggage, there, it's only so wide, right? It's probably about the width of your palm. And I've got a long name, Brittany Williams, so the whole thing can't fit. You can't write Brittany Williams all across the whole thing. So she couldn't see my entire name. So she just looks at it, she looks down, she looks at me. She looks back down at the sticker. I'm the only one left. I'm the end of the alphabet. It's mine. That's me. No and doubt. Becky, you can take it from here. There's a few feet separating them. So, you know, no, no, tr <laughs> no trouble hearing what she's about no to say. No need to yell. Brita! Miss Brita! Girl, get your bags up here. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. It was like, she's like, Brita? Brita Williams, get your bags over here, girl. Like screaming as if we were in a rush. Like suddenly we were late. I was in trouble. So much attitude. So much attitude. <laughs> like, like, it was unbelievable. And like clearly, I don't know. It's now happened to me almost every time I travel. It says Brita Williams because that's just where it cuts off and like everyone knows it's Britney like everyone like knows that's short for something and like I don't know you can like look on my ticket and see that it's Britney but she just kept calling me Brita and she would get she got real low and like deep with her voice real it was very throaty and it was just funny it was the funny effing funniest effing thing we like died because it was like quiet and chill and then she screamed at me I literally thought I was in trouble I literally thought my auntie was just like screaming at me for like sleeping like after Thanksgiving dinner, which I did once get in trouble from an aunt for falling asleep after Thanksgiving dinner. They still bring it up to this day. Like, oh, you're going to fall asleep? It's Thanksgiving dinner. It's what you do after Thanksgiving. Food coma. Right. Anyways. No more, no more Brittany after that. No, Brita literally from that day, it was Brita exclusively. The boys call me that, like our entire friend group. Like I literally will, I'll get people's weddings invitation that will say like Brita Williams. Like it, like it, my official name will just be like Brita Williams. And I, mm -hmm. that's what it is. Um, that yeah. So if you want to call me Brita, I do answer to it. Um, and now you more know. If you, yeah. Would you say? The, the more attitude, the better. Yeah, you can't just say it lightly. You have to give it a no. little oomph. Um, but yeah, so now I know, all know that you listen to the podcast if you call me Brita. Like, I'm giving you permission. Like, if you're not on the Rice Cross Country team and you call me Brita, I know that you're on the end, that you know what we're talking about. Okay. All right, Becky, let's hear them. Three embarrassing things. Be filter-free. We're all friends here. No judgment zone. Okay, well, you told me one to two. And so oh, I, I did. I, was... I did think I said one to two. That's fair. So I, I did go to the max. I got two for you. Perfect. They're not, they're not super embarrassing, but they're fresh in my mind. Um, I love them. So one, this was brought up on, I, I was just on a little girl's trip with three of my best childhood friends, and th they reminded me about this this weekend. So one of them got married 
in the last couple of years. And um, I got called out big time because the makeup, like we were in the wedding and we brought our own makeup and someone was like doing our hair. So the makeup that I threw in my bag, didn't think much of it, um, had been oh, given no. to me as a high school graduation gift. So it was 12 plus well, years How old are you? You're now, yeah, exactly. I'm 30. People some reference. I had, go. I'd been using it. Well, using it is loosely, I don't wear, <laughs> I don't do much stuff to myself. Yeah. Um, it was 12 years old. My friend jaw dropped to the floor, threw it in the trash. She was like, no, this is, this is toxic. You cannot use this anymore. Oh, so geez. that was embarrassing that That's I didn't really realize I, that wasn't something that, that is embarrassing. Make. Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't other, even like something that you had bought yourself. Like it was like a gift. Like it was, it was just like. I'm that's, so that's that's yeah. even that's even more embarrassing just to point mm-hmm. that out yeah yeah I know right so that that's one not proud but like it happened and then other one like I said I'm coaching um you know high school girls who are most of them are like half my age or around there they're 14 to 17 ish um and when I was picking up uniforms from the like t-shirt printing place or whatever. I, I walk up there and like, I'm feeling good. This was last season. Like, you know, I had just gotten the head coach position and was like, you know, feeling a little bit powerful and get up to the desk. And I was like, hi, I'm Becky, like Becky Firth. I'm picking up uniforms for Ursuline Cross Country. And the guy looks at me, looks down at like whatever <laughs> list they've got going on. He goes, oh, okay. So do you want your uniform or do you want all of your teams? Oh. Mm. I was like, oh, Oh, which actually is a compliment, but I maybe but eventually a compliment, but it like brought you down. I'm sure a few rungs. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Ooh, yeah I'm not a 14 year old runner. Oh, God. Yeah. So that definitely, I needed to be humbled that day. And I was, <laughs> your ego got a little smaller that day. You didn't see um, my book that was like growing, I guess. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Cause you were pregnant, there, right? You should have pulled it up. You should have just pulled up your, your stomach and been like, I'm 33. <laughs> I got I a baby did. in here. Almost did. <laughs> um, I have your third. I know what your third is. Oh uh, yeah. It was when, and it's not too bad. Don't worry. You're like, oh shit. What is she oh, going to no, say? No, bring it. There's literally, yeah, you're, Becky's wonderful. There's nothing too bad. Uh, when uh, you and Claire for Lent oh. did Fishbowl of Uncomfortableness. So yep. they did for 40 days. Well, I think they, Claire is one of our good friends who's on the team with us. And they each wrote 40 uncomfortable things that they had to do. So you didn't want to go too uncomfortable because, and then they put them all in a pot. And then each day they would have to pick something from that pot to do so you didn't want to go crazy because like you right. could draw because you could pick your own mm-hmm. uncomfortableness but you wanted yeah. it to be good but you guys did immaculate i'm trying to think of some of the things you had to do someone ha- didn't claire have to wear a bathing suit to, to class one day she had to walk around campus all day wearing uggs and a bikini yep uh, someone um, serenaded Jim at the airport, who was our I coach. I had to sing A Whole New World on one knee to our middle-aged like proposal style. <laughs> at the baggage carousel yes. thing. A full, full <laughs> airport. The yeah. full, the full, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we both had to, I don't know why we both did this. I, I think had to like hand write notes and send them in the mail to like ex high school boyfriends or something like that no oh my god that i would die i would yeah that that was good actually i want to bring back the fishbowl 
Let's do it. I'm down. Let's do it. It I'm was down. a Lent, but we could make it a. We can make it a. Well, I do a monthly goal every month, and so maybe this will just be we do it for like a month. Yeah, and you just practice being uncomfortable. There's and practice being uncomfortable. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like they won't be nearly as bad as what they were in high school or in college. They might be, Brita. If I'm writing them, I mean. <laughs> That's true. That's one thing you need to know about this story is that, like, there's no one better to have done this than Becky and Claire. Like, they are, and I think every group, friend group has them, those people who can just, they're just so creative and they can, like, go with a theme. They can run with it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. What's some other things so, Brita, what are, your, what are your My embarrassing things? things? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think of any new embarrassing things. Oh, mm. you think just your guests? Yeah, get, no. that's okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, I like that you called me out. Okay, give us on. a good one. I got to think of one. I'm trying to think of one from college that you would have been there for. Well, um, I was not there for this, but I don't think you've told on your podcast like the most epic oh embarrassing story of all time that's fair i haven't i really haven't and that's a great one and or, that's a or you want to save this for its own thing no no i'll say i'll save it if you've got the time i'll i'll do it um so when i was 18 uh and it's important for you to know how old i was because i'm going to tell you this story and you're going to be like oh, okay yeah when i was nine that's something that i would do uh that's cute. That's funny. I need you to know that I was 18, an adult, post-puberty woman. Um, and uh, my mom was a fitness instructor in the mornings. And so I was by myself in the mornings, uh, getting ready for school, could drive myself to school and what have you. This is a story that you're thinking of, right, Becky? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. just making sure. I have. I mean, I assumed so, but then I, you know I've got some embarrassing stories. So um <laughs> So um, I we lived in a neighborhood that wasn't the safest, uh, not bad, but it just wasn't. I always kind of, you know, you slept with one eye open and was always very aware of my surroundings, which probably is just good for any girl that's going to be by herself at home. Uh, and I was showering one day and the fire alarm goes off and it's just one alarm. So the fire alarm is the smoke alarm is the burglar alarm. Just the alarm goes off and you know, the normal person would like stop, turn off the water, you know, maybe check your phone, grab your things, go outside, check to maybe see if there's something wrong. I, on the other hand, are like scared shitless. Like there's no, I was so paranoid. I wasn't worried about a fire because I cannot run a fire. I'm a runner. She's a track star. Like I can, I cannot run a fire, but I cannot outrun a man. I was convinced someone had come at 5.30 in the morning on a Tuesday in January to get me. I was convinced. So I didn't grab a towel. I didn't grab my keys. I grabbed my phone, dialed 911, and ran outside butt-ass naked. Like, stripped still wet from the shower, didn't bring a washcloth, didn't bring a loofah, nothing. Grown woman. Grown woman. Grown woman in January, which, okay, it's Texas, so it's not that cold, but, like, it's not warm. 
So now I'm standing outside and I just want you to know that I lived at my grandmother's house at the time. So all of these neighbors have like grown up with me. Like they've known me my entire life. Like I'm just the little girl that lives next door and the fire alarm is blaring. And eventually like the neighbors are now like looking out their windows, like peering out to see whose alarm's going off. And there's Brittany in the street, completely naked. And I have got my phone, so I call 911 and we had a burglar alarm system. So that automatically calls you like our house phone, our landline, if you guys remember what landlines were like that. So my phone's ringing in the house. I'm also on the phone with 911 and I start crying and I'm like, I'm naked and our fire alarm's going off. And I'm naked is like the worst words you could use on 911 because they automatically think that like you're in like a hostage situation or someone's like, you know, is like harassing you. Um, So they're like, you know, say that today is Friday if you're not safe. And I'm like, no, it's Tuesday, Tuesday. Like it's not Friday, I am fine. And she's like, honey, why are you naked then? Like what's the, and I was like, because there's someone in my house. She goes, did you see someone? Nope, saw no one. Did you hear something? Nope, heard nothing. So you just ran outside because there might be someone in your house. Correct. She's like, honey, you need to go inside, at least get some clothes and then just come back inside. And while you're in there, you need to answer the phone because, you know, Brink's alarm system is calling you. And I was like, that's awful advice. I'm not going inside. Hung up on 911, which is also bad to do. Like, just generally don't piss off the 911 person. I'm literally like standing at my car and I can see like a bag of clothes in my car, but my car keys are inside. And I refuse to go in to even get my car keys to get like a jacket. So because I never answered the phone of the of the house at the house, right? And because I'm pretty sure the 911 operator that I talked to didn't believe me and thought that like I was truly under distress and just screaming, I'm naked, which like again, she's assuming so I didn't uh choose to become naked outside. They send the whole squad. When I tell you, I think there were like eight cop cars, two ambulances, two fire trucks. Like, I don't think much was going on at 5 a.m. in the morning. When I tell you 50 plus men saw me butt ass naked that morning. And like, there was just a collective, I felt like they all got there at the exact same time. And they just made like a semicircle around my house of just like all the alarms are blaring. Now all the neighbors are outside. All the neighbors are outside, all of, and I'm just, I, I chose my, my hoo-ha to cover. So my boobies are out. <laughs> you can't cover it all, right? You can't cover it all. And I figured that's just, if we're going to, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Uh, mm. And I, it felt like an hour until one of the police chiefs like came out of the fire truck and just gave me a blanket to wrap around. And then he's, so I had to explain the situation to him and he's like, Wait, you're telling me you've been out here for like 30 minutes because you know that the police don't come quick these days. Uh, so I'm like, no, like I've just been sitting out here completely butt ass naked. They go inside, they do a lap. I refuse to even go inside with them to do the lap, like around the house. I'm like, no, go in there by yourself. I refuse to go in. They walk outside and they go, well, do you want to know what the problem was? I'm like, yeah, did you get him? Did you arrest the man who was trying to assault me? And they go, the batteries are low in your fire alarm. And eventually, if you don't change the batteries, it goes off. The batteries were low. (laughs) 
And so I just picked my pride up and just, you know, put it in my bra. Well, I guess I wasn't wearing a bra, so I couldn't have put my pride in their bra. I picked it up and I took it back in and I still made it to school on time. But Lord, did I have a story to tell when I got there. <laughs> that was one of the first things I ever heard out of your mouth. And like, mm-hmm. I knew we were going to be friends. Like, I'm knew sure it. it was some sort of icebreaker. And I was just like, uh-huh. I'll go last because this story is like, I mean, I was it's like, I got it. I got to be near this girl on runs. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And like, it's so funny because all of my embarrassing stories, my dad pointed out, have something to do with like, I'm accidentally naked or like underwear. Like even like my stories as like a little kid, like everything comes down to like underwear or like I'm naked or someone saw me naked. Like I, I don't have a thing. It's not, doesn't get me off. It just is like just how it is just how it is (laughs) so yeah but I will say like a lot of times when you're doing like you know three truths or two truths and a lie my lie will be or my truth that like always throws people off is that like you know over 50 men have seen me naked and like I did it once at like a family function and everyone which is a little risque of me but everyone thought it was like the men and like oh they were in the military so like that's definitely I guess we had to put we had to put lies like in a bowl and you picked it out and had to guess not lies. You pick truths. You put truths in a bowl and you had to like pick them out and you had to guess whose truth it was. Ooh, so you had to fun. pick truths that were like, you know, it led people off. Like they thought you were different people. So everyone thought that that was like the men in the group. Cause like, oh, my dad was in the military. It was definitely him. But I'm like, no, it was little old Brittany. He, he didn't think oh, it was yeah. me. Except then people are like, you got to tell that story because it doesn't sound good when you tell your family that that many men have seen you naked. (laughs) I was like, oh, didn't think about the the other option. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, I love that story. Thank you for reminding me. I haven't thought about that in a while. Thank you for telling it. Love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Becky, you are amazing. Uh, Thank you so much for being my first guest. Uh, Thank you for being so inspirational. Thank you for coaching 90-something young women and being a good role model because I certainly think we had some very good role models uh, in our college life, and I think you did as well in your high school life, but I know that not every girl has that, so thank you for being it. Uh, I highly recommend, like I said, if you are into running, if you're into travel, uh, pick up Becky's book, Run the World. Um, It also has some really good recipes in it. Um, which is pretty cool. So also if you're a foodie, uh, it works for that too. Um, what else should I tell the people? Follow her the on people? Instagram. What's your Instagram? Um, I think I'm Becky S. Wade. Haven't changed that to Firth. See, Becky it's S. confusing. It's it confusing. is super confusing. I know. I need to just okay. commit. Yep. Do you, do you think you're going to commit to Firth? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. I, need to, I need to think it through. Well, but if like, you can update us conversations like making me like the wheels are turning here's the thing becky you can't go wrong and this is for every woman who's trying to decide whether she's going to change her name or not you can't go wrong either one's fine live your life but like own it i know you know people people are always like oh you didn't for me to me they you didn't change your last name people are how are people gonna know your kids are your kids like I'm sorry. My last name is Williams. If I got to claim everyone with the last name of Williams as a family member, we'd have some problems. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I just no, don't think that that's sure. indicative of anything these days. No. So no. live your truth, Becky. Whatever you pick is the right answer. And if you choose your change your mind, that's also the right answer. I don't know how that logic works, but right that feels right. 
I think it, I think you're right. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Of course. All right. Uh, enjoy your day. I hope everyone is out there. Don't, if your fire alarm goes off, at least please grab a washcloth, a towel, something two, that you can, two, yeah, two, three. I mean, a full towel will be better than a washcloth because yeah. I'm not how, sure how big your tatas are, but one washcloth most likely won't cover them both. Um, mm -hmm. It might. Uh, and I hope you have a wonderful and very filter-free Friday. Thanks, <laughs> Becky. Bye.